Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and this is another episode of Motivational Mondays. I am thrilled to be joined today by Leon Logothetis, a global adventurer, motivational speaker, and philanthropist, and the star of the Discovery Plus series, The Kindness Diaries. Now, he's also um, known, I guess, in that show for navigating the globe, relying on the kindness of strangers while giving life-changing gifts along the way. His new book is called Go Be Brave, and it's not really a book. It's actually like an interactive journal, what I find to be most fascinating. So, Leon, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, sir. Was that like a good description, like an interactive journal? Because to say book seems a little like I'm reducing the value of really what it is. I think you're right. I think it's an interactive journal, for sure. It's, uh, it's like an experiential adventure. Yeah, exactly. 24 adventures. In fact, it's so 24, but I'm curious. So it's 24 and three quarters adventures. The three quarters, I'm, con- I'm con- confused about that part. <laughs> so the three quarters, I won't tell you what the adventure is, but it's basically one final piece of magnificence that you get to do that isn't a full adventure, but uh, is important as an important part of the, of the process. Yeah, yeah. And it's important also to call out that what we're calling adventures in this book, you map them out. They're, they're exercises, basically. Each chapter, in a way, is one of these adventures, and it has a, a quality of interaction where you're, you're doing some work. You're doing some self-reflection. You may be answering questions, really doing some deep thinking about who you are. So why was it important to you to, to make it more interactive and not just another book to another self-help book to be read, if you will? So Maya Angelou once said that uh, people never remember what you say to them, but they remember how you make them feel. So Go Be Brave is my attempt to make people feel in every page. And each adventure is like an experiential journey into how to be brave. Not just me saying, oh, go be brave, but go feel what it feels like to be brave. Mm-hmm. Very often books like this are written by people who are sort of observers and they're just saying what they've seen other people do. And then there's the other side of the story where there's people like you who are coming from a place of knowing because their backstory is very, very exemplary of what they are conveying to their reading audience. So in your case, your backstory, I know you've mentioned how you you played it small. You you played it safe, and uh, you were a successful broker, though in London. You were so you were, by all accounts and purposes, on the outside, seemingly looking like you had it all, but that was not the case. And then one day you said, "Enough." I was wondering, was there one moment that that happened, or was it just this culmination of everything? And one day you just said, "I've had enough." Look, there was it was definitely a culmination, but there was a tipping point, and that was one moment. So I, I was a broker, and uh, you know, not you know, on the outside I had everything. On the inside, I, I just felt uh, very depressed, very 
a lot of anxiety, kind of not really living my truest potential. Mm. And I stumbled across the movie, The Motorcycle Diaries, which is a romanticized version of Che Guevara traveling around South America, relying on kindness. And in that moment of watching that movie, I had an epiphany. I realized there was another way to live. And I, to cut a long story short, quit my job and started to travel around the world relying on kindness. I hitchhiked from Times Square to the Hollywood sign. I hitchhiked from the Eiffel Tower in Paris to Red Square in Moscow. I went all the way around England. I drove a car from London to Mongolia. I got a vintage taxi and gave free cab rides from New York to LA. And this culminated in me buying a yellow motorcycle with a sidecar and circumnavigating the world with no money, no food, no gas, no place to stay. All I had was relying on the generosity of strangers. I couldn't accept money. All I could accept was love. And unsuspecting Good Samaritans received a life-changing gift. So if you helped me, I would help you. And that's kind of a very short version of how I went from the, you know, the broker to the book. After I did that show, I started to think to myself, how on earth did I have the bravery and the courage to do all of this? And I started to realize that bravery, at least my definition of bravery, is when we speak our truth, when we share our pain, when we stand in our power. And I started to think to myself, this was during COVID, actually. I started to think to myself, was there a moment in my life that shifted everything because of one act of bravery, one act of truth-telling, my own emotional truth? And I realized that when I was 15 years old, I had been bullied for years and I hadn't told anyone. I told no one what was going on. And I made a decision. I think it was a, a, a decision born of desperation to go into my mother's room and to share with her what was going on. And I, and I, and I had a meltdown. I was crying. It was, it was very emotional. That moment of telling the truth was kind of a make or break moment because she could have just said, Oh, don't worry about it. Stay where you are. Or she could have done what she did, which was, I'll take you out of this school. So that's where the book kind of came from as well. Prior to my shows, prior to being a broker, that moment of speaking my truth and the purpose of the book journal is to inspire you to speak your truth. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, so many people suffer in silence uh, across the spectrum of all kinds of traumas, unresolved traumas, ancestral traumas, so many things we bring forward and never have a chance to release that. And it is completely cathartic. But I think uh, to your point, bravery is a factor and you make a distinction between bravery and courage though. Right. Which I think there's a blurred line there for most people, but you know, what is the distinction you draw there? Because it's, it's in a way it takes courage to be brave, which seems like an oxymoron. That's, that's true. So, so my distinction, and again, this is just my definition and the definition that, that, that guides the book. Bravery is speaking our truth, whether that's our emotional truth, whether that's a truth that we want to leave a relationship or we want to change our job. It's a truth, speaking our truth. Courage is taking action. If you want to leave a relationship, you speak your truth by being brave, and then you take action and actually leave the relationship, 
right? Mm. Uh, so that's the difference. Speaking your truth is bravery. Taking action is courage. Wow, that's quite clear. That's that's great clarity <laughs> for that. Yeah, because that was like jumbled. Like, well, how do you do it? But no, that's exactly right. And it's amazing too that just coincidentally, as I was like preparing more notes to get ready for this interview, and I had the TV on in the background, which I typically like don't do, which is weird because I don't want to get like jumbled, you know, uh, distracted. But I had CNN on last night, and the Surgeon General for the U.S. Um, was on, and he happened to be talking about this sort of like epidemic of loneliness and isolation that's just overcoming the country right now. And it may be a byproduct of COVID because, you know, that's where we really hit this, this unknown territory with this. But I found it fascinating because you have a TED talk in which you tap into this exact thing, but you sort of resolve it in a way. Now, it's not going to be like the silver bullet for everybody, but you resolve it with, you know, you have a one potential way to remedy that loneliness and isolation. And uh, so if you would share a little bit about like, what do you think is that one thing that maybe could help alleviate that loneliness and isolation? Sure, sure. So the TED Talk is called The Secret to Feeling Less Alone. And the secret to me, which is no longer a secret because I'm telling everyone, um, (laughs) is to be kind to share your heart with others, to make people feel like they have value, to live with kindness flowing through you. Because for me, the definition of kindness is to help someone feel less alone. And kindness is a win-win. If I'm kind to you, you are going to win, but so am I. And we like winning, right? So the best way to win is to be kind. And that doesn't mean that we allow people to walk all over us. Absolutely not. We do not ever allow people to walk all over us. But there comes a point where you have to kind of put that into place where you you back, you back yourself up. But generally, kindness is helping someone feel less alone. Hmm. Yes. And you, you expand on that in the, the TED Talk because you say it becomes the catalyst for interaction and potentially new relationships or new opportunities because you're sort of like you're summoning something positive by having an interaction with someone that was kind and compassionate. So in return, there may be something that blossoms from that. Very difficult in the world we're in right now. So I I read a lot of the stuff you're writing and things you talk about, and I love them. And they're like eternally full of optimism about humanity, I think, and I want to believe it. How do you address that we're in the most divisive time I've ever experienced um, in my lifetime, whether it be politically or social, how do you maintain that optimism that humanity is still good? Through Look, all I that? think I think humanity has always been good, but humanity has always also been not good. Right? Mm-hmm. Clearly, bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And my teachings on kindness never go so far as to say that, oh, all you have to do is be kind and everyone's going to love you and you're going to love everyone and everything will work itself out. No, that, that, that doesn't work. It's clear. Mm-hmm. Just turn on the news. Right. It doesn't work that way. But we as individuals can commit to how we show up. And if we commit to showing up with love, and we commit to showing up with kindness and we commit to showing up with, with, uh, kind of 
goodness flowing through us, more often than not, that is reciprocated. Not all the time. I sometimes tell the story of, of Muhammad Ali because people say to me, oh, Leon, you're so Pollyannish. And they say to me, if I'm kind, people will squash me, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm kind, they'll take advantage of me. And I'm like, okay. And I put up a slide of Muhammad Ali smiling. And I say, Muhammad Ali, a man of love, a man of service, a kind man. And then I say, how many of you would mess with Muhammad Ali, with a picture of Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston, right? <laughs> After having right. knocked him out, right? right. Um, my point is that there is a line that people should not cross. And if they cross that line, they get the Muhammad Ali that knocks you out. But as long as you don't cross that line, we can live the way that we live. Do you see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. do not let people walk all over you, but doesn't mean you allow people to drag you into their darkness. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and metaphorically using that too, it's like the same as, well, we can have debate. We can have disagreements. We can have civil discourse. We can have those disagreements about life. However, once you X, Y, Z, and I feel like now I'm threatened or physically threatened or like there's a line that's been crossed and then that's a whole other thing. But on the day to day, we should thrive to, to allow those differences. Yes, absolutely. And surround ourselves with, with as much positivity as possible, mm. you know, whilst knowing, because again, this is not Pollyannish. The book is not Pollyannish. My shows are not Pollyannish. Bad things happen. Bad things happen. And to understand the good things that happen, you have to also understand the bad things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and your show is not always Pollyannish because I was like crying. Like, <laughs> I was like, damn him. You know, I was like, ah. the one I really like was, it was amazing. Well, there's so many. You were in Denver and there was a father you met. He had his son. He was just getting to Denver and his housing had fallen through. He had nowhere to go. And you just stopped and you just talked to him about like, Hey bro, like what's going on with you? Like what's happening? And it was amazing to me in that moment to realize how often we don't do that to people. We just stop someone in that moment and say, Hey, get up. What's going on with you? Just a stranger. And that moment was amazing. But tell me, I mean, you have so many of those moments, but for you, I mean, I, I'm sure you recall the one I'm referencing. You know, how do you just decide when you're going to approach people like that? Is that just like randomly you get a, you get a vibe or you just say, you know, that person looks interesting. Like what, what drives you to approach people? It's, it's intuitive really. And I don't always get it right. There are some people that aren't particularly happy when I reach out to them and that's fine, but it's intuitive. You know, you know, sometimes you're having a conversation with someone and you know that it's coming from up here. And there are other times where you're having a conversation that you're in your heart and you can feel them and they can feel you and you don't really need to like come from up here because it's, right. it's, it's working from, from a lower place, a lower place being actually a higher place. Right. But it's working from that lower More place depth. that right. exactly depth. And I go there and again, often I get it right, but often I, but sometimes I get it wrong, but yeah, it's that yeah. place of depth. That's a beautiful word. That's exactly what it is like that place of depth. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, he definitely had it. I was watching and like, it, I mean, for those who didn't see it, you can go and see it online, of course, but, um, and then you help him, um, at the, at the end, as you do, which is part of the construct of the show. But, uh, I began to think about that man afterwards. That, that was the thing that really struck me. I said, you know what? I didn't know this person existed. He's another human being. I don't know, but Leon just introduced me to another human who's going through something. And now I wonder where that guy is. I hope his son's okay. I hope he made it. I hope he's in Denver kicking butt in Denver. You know, and I thought about that empathy that I experienced through seeing someone else's act of kindness. And I just think that was uh, profound for me. So I just, you know, I think it's amazing what you do. And there's another story I want to share too, that you talk about when you were a kid, you wanted to be a a Navy SEAL. You share that in, in, in some of your work. But then you said you met a Navy SEAL in, in a workshop of some kind. That was like about, I guess, maybe like an emotional wellness workshop of some kind. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. And then you see that Navy SEAL who you had sort of personified as like the, the end all brick wall that nothing could penetrate. And he was vulnerable and wounded like everyone else and looking for answers. So talk about that. Yeah. So this was, I was in my twenties. I was in London and I went to, I was very depressed and a lot of anxiety. And I went to this work workshop for, I think it was a two week workshop. And I I saw this guy at at the beginning and he's like really scary looking guy. Right. Uh, And I really had no idea who he was. And then at the end of the workshop, he turns around and he says, you know what? To everyone, he says, I'm a Navy SEAL and um, people think that I'm really brave, but I want to tell you all, that true bravery is what is happening inside this room with people sharing their pain, with people speaking their truth. And I will never forget this. And I never forgot that because I had thought that this massive man was, you know, this brave Navy SEAL, but his truth was that his true bravery was speaking his truth, which is such an important piece of being vulnerable, of course. So that's how, and I talk about this in the, in the book journal, that's how one of the other ways that I got to this point of, um, of writing the book was I remembered back to him. I remembered how his words had such a great effect on me and it coming from him, like this super brave guy, true bravery is just speaking our truth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And I remember I was in COVID and clearly didn't have much to do in COVID. And I thought about that. And I thought about what happened to me as a kid at 15 years old. And that's where the seeds of the book, Go Be Brave came from the, Mm. from the 15 year old kid and from the Navy SEAL. Yeah. And that's an example, one example, but it's uh, representative of all of us in so many ways who are walking around like everything's okay. Even your previous situation when you were uh, a broker and we're all, a lot of us, I don't want to say we all, but a lot of us are walking around with these masks, like, oh, everything is fine. Everything's okay. And inside there's like a lot of unresolved turmoil, which makes me think that we need to be more conscious of that too, because you never know what someone else is going through when you interact with them. And that leads me to something else you say that I love, which is you use travel as a metaphor in some ways. When you talk about sometimes we need to dive more into other people's lives and understand where other people are coming from. And that's almost like a sense of travel in a way, just to allow yourself to be a part of other people's existence, to understand how other people live. I mean, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on my assessment that you're using travel as a metaphor in that regard? Look, for me, travel is a school of life. I have learned so much by traveling the world. When I was at school, I hope none of my 
previous teachers are listening to this, but I pretty much didn't listen to anything. But, you know, like if you want to learn about poverty, go to a slum in India instead of reading a book. If you want to read about love, go to a slum in India and meet the people instead of reading a book. So it's experiential. And that's another reason why I did what I did with Go Be Brave. I wanted you, the reader, whether you're 12 or 112, to have an experiential moment with each chapter where you get to feel. You get to feel what's going on inside you. You get to feel other people. You get to connect to nature. You get to remind yourself that you are human. Oh, what's he talking about? I know I'm human. Really? Do you have that experience of your humanity every day? I'm sure that most of us don't. Go out in nature, sit by a lake for one hour, and you will remind yourself what it feels like to actually be human, as opposed to sitting in front of the computer for one hour watching YouTube videos. Yeah. And you also talk about that. Yeah. You talk about the social media thing and sort of like navigating through life just based on how many likes you can get or how many followers and how empty that is. Um, recently, a guest said the same thing to me. She was like, you know, how many hours are you do not me, but she meant in general, are we wasting trying to gain the approval of someone on the other end of a computer, someone who will never meet? They'll never, <laughs> they'll, they don't benefit your life in any way. Meanwhile, you're like three hours in trying to impress them with your posts and your, you know, and it makes me think about that. How much time are we wasting not trying to make actual connections? You also talk about anger, however, though, as um, uh, something to repurpose. Normally we associate that with something negative, but you say that anger is actually something that we could really maybe re-engineer, I would say, or reverse engineer and use as a positive. How so? So one of the chapters or adventures, let's call them, is called Get Mad. And what do I mean by that? We all have anger. I don't think there's ever been a human being that's lived that doesn't have anger. The question is, how do you get that anger out safely? How do you get that anger out in a way that doesn't harm anyone? Right? That is what I mean by getting mad. So one of the things I do is I have a journal. And when I'm angry, I go into my journal and I just let it all out. I let my rage out, whether it's at myself, whether it's at some political thing that's going on, whether it's at someone, and I let it out safely. Mm. And then I connect with that person or connect with myself or connect with that thing that's going on on the TV from a place of calmness because the rage has come out safely. Sometimes I go into the shower and I feel rage and I feel anger and I just scream in the shower. No one suffers. No one gets affected. Nothing bad happens. Yet the rage has come out safely. That's what I mean by get mad. Think about some of the worst things that have happened that we turn our news on and we see happening every day. Imagine if the people that perpetrated that had let their anger out safely. Mm. Those things would not have happened. Let it out safely and yeah. no one gets hurt. 
Yeah, there's a whole correlation there between a lot of people, legislators who try to save kids in the inner city when they're young before they get into maybe negative activities, gang activities, being able to ch channel their anger towards other things. The New York City, like 1980s uh, graffiti culture kind of comes, street art comes from that, like, you know, inner city kids sort of rechanneling anger and energy. So it's a proven thing, obviously. And I think it should be maybe something that is implemented more with young people, especially. And you brought up teaching. You said you didn't listen to them much. So you hope they weren't listening. But you do often, well, not often, but you have spoken about one teacher in particular. And I want to bring this up because I want to just include the importance of teachers at a time when, you know, they seemingly are having a difficult time in, in public school system in America, especially. But you had this one teacher that, noticed and took interest in how, are you okay and and that made a difference too in how you move forward i mean speak a little bit about what it meant for that teacher to to actually check on you and make sure you were okay yeah so basically she witnessed me what do i mean by that uh, i was being bullied and uh, it was it was highly unpleasant and i was clearly not in a good place many people didn't even see that but she did and she would look at me in the eyes every day and she would say i believe in you and I didn't really realize what she was doing, but she was infusing me with hope and she was being kind. And I never forgot that. And uh, those words shifted my life. They changed my life. They made me who I am today. I know that sounds melodramatic, but it's also the truth. Mm. Because I once read a book by Alice Miller called The Drama of a Gifted Child. And in it, she says that we need a witness. We need a witness to our pain. We need a witness to our joy. We need a witness to our sadness. We need a witness to our hope. And if we don't have that witness as a child and, and as an adult, we can easily walk to the dark side. Mm -hmm. I was lucky because I had that witness and that was her. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, you know, it's so funny, again, the coincidence of things that I'm noticing as I prepare for this interview. Just yesterday, I was reading an article and someone had a photo of uh, a young black student. He was walking away, full cap and gown. And the caption said that uh, he has no family, little support, but had been going to college paying for it himself for the past four years. And he went, no one called his name as a, no one cheered as they called his name. He took the bus to get there. But he did it. And he did it without any of those things that we take for granted, like someone paying attention or a teacher who might care or a family. Um, and so I just, you know, that's so poignant because I was, I thought, my gosh, if I didn't have the cheering section to keep me going, where would I be? If I didn't have the encouragement, where would we be? So it must be extremely difficult for people to thrive who don't have that. We don't really think about it. It definitely is. And I hope that that fellow who, uh, got his uh, degree. Now people see him after that article. Yeah. And I'm trying to find him because I want to have him on my show. So <laughs> definitely, let, good luck. I'll let you know how that works out. Yeah. So the other thing too, I want to talk to you about, because I'm kind of, I feel like I'm a little torn between a couple of things here. So one is part of your story is like, you know, take a lot of less focus off the material things. I'm going to go around the world and do my, you know, more soul searching. So what is the balance between like wanting nice things and achieving material financial wellness and success and then not getting caught up in like chasing the material wealth to the point where it's 
not productive. And now maybe you're in the situation where you were when you were a broker and not happy, you're making a good living probably, but you were unhappy. But it's like, it's almost like, should we feel guilty about wanting things and money? Yeah, absolutely not. Make as much money as you can. Be as successful as you can. But whilst doing it, be a nice human. Literally, the end. That's it. You can be successful. You can be create the life of your dreams. But if you do that based on on being an, an unpleasant, unkind asshole, then, mm. you know, what's the point? Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. And your your new book is, again, I love that it's not just another like self-help book on the shelf where you just read through. You really force people in a positive way to take a look at themselves, self-reflect, and be honest and true. So Go Be Brave is your new book. And we appreciate you being here today, Leon, on Motivational Mondays. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.